Well, good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Tim. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're really excited that uh, you're here this morning. The weather has been awesome this week, right? Okay, everybody awake? Um, <laughs> the Bears pulled it out last Sunday. Who cares? Okay. Um, the Colts, I don't know how they're doing. Uh, I don't follow them. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of this stuff you have already covered this morning. If you came in and you saw your friends, you've talked about the weather and you've talked about sports and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we are in this series uh, through the book of 2 Corinthians. And yeah, Paul doesn't talk about any of that stuff. And here's my point this morning. It's really easy to talk to people about sports and weather. Uh, but this is a very personal letter. Paul writes a very personal letter to people who knew him and loved him well. And usually uh, he gets personal in this letter, and usually uh, personal means uh, not so great. Because it's very easy to talk uh, to people that you don't know very well about the good things. I mean, you, I could have you this morning turn to the person next to you, whether you know them or not, and just say, you know, tell them what, ha- what happened this week that was so great. You know, what, what was wonderful about your week, and you could easily tell them. But if I ask you to tell them what, what difficulty you went through this week, that would be a little bit more awkward, right? Uh, you need somebody that knows you personally in order to get personal, about your life and and talking about personal this this is uh, september is national recovery month so uh i try to fit in this shameless plug for celebrate recovery uh, this morning and this uh, here it is uh if you uh need a real community where people get real about real life uh and you need to work through those difficulties in your life celebrate recovery is for you every thursday night at 6 30 people there's a community that accepts you for where you are but love you to where you need to be. And so uh, if that's a step that you need to make, uh, celebrate recovery where you can get real about real life. Second Corinthians is a letter about real life. This is a letter that Paul gets very personal with the church who knew him and loved him well. And so this morning, uh, we are moving into chapter four. If you have a Bible or if you need one, there's one provided in the seat back somewhere. Uh, I want to read this passage uh, in its entirety uh, this morning. So please get that ready for, uh, so that you can follow along. It will not be on the screen. But I want to read uh, verses seven through 18. And then uh, we will unpack it. And as we read the word of God, would you stand with me? And uh, we'll do that together. And then uh, we'll sit down and we'll study it. Verses 7 through 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have this same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke, We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You may be seated. This morning we are talking about hope. The National Center for Disease Control uh, reports that America has had three consecutive years where life expectancy has declined. Americans are not getting older. It reports that uh, this is not due to natural causes or common illnesses, but from what sociologists call diseases of despair. Uh, The opioid crisis is a good example of this. Uh, Drug and alcohol abuse is on the rise. The hopelessness uh, that leads to suicide is becoming more prevalent. Friends, here's the deal. The way that you live your life is a reflection of what you believe your ultimate hope to be. In other words, the way you live your life and and life is suffering, Paul, suffering is a key term in this letter. And so the attitude or the perspective, uh, the way that you approach uh, your life is indicative of what you believe your future, your ultimate future to be. What is your hope? Where is your hope? Suffering is a part of life and Christian hope is a life-shaping certainty that our ultimate future is rooted in the eternal love and glory of God and what he has prepared for us for those who love him. Hope. We are looking at verses 7 through 18 in chapter 4, but I want to begin with the end in mind, so I'll put verse 16 up on the screen first. It says, so we do not lose heart. You could use the word hope. Here's, I think, what I know about all of you. Nobody came in this morning looking to lose heart. Uh, Many of you came in looking to find heart. You want your heart to be encouraged. You want your heart to be strengthened. You want your heart to be comforted. You You want the word of God to bolster your heart for the challenges, the relational or spiritual or financial or health, whatever challenges you face outside of these walls. You want your heart to be strengthened. Friends, the world beats up our heart. Sin attacks our heart. According to country singers, people stomp on our heart and smash that sucker flat. I mean, those, okay. Uh, And it discourages us, it defeats us. Sometimes it's so bad you don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes it's so bad you don't think you can go on. Sometimes you've lost heart and therefore you've lost hope. Now, friends, I don't want this to be depressing this morning. I just want you to be realistic. I mean, usually uh, you're either going into it or coming out of it or you're wallowing in it. If you're not there yet, you'll be there in a moment. Here's, you know, what's interesting about this letter. Uh, two weeks ago, this is where Paul started in his, I mean, he, he got started right off. My life is difficult. My life is hard. My life, and three chapters later, Paul brings the subject up again. In fact, seven times in this letter, if you know, 2 Corinthians has 13 chapters in it, and seven times in 13 chapters, Paul gives us a list of the sufferings and the struggles that he's going through in life. Now, I don't believe he's being overly sensitive or sensational about it. He's just being realistic. To live is to suffer. Now, all, not all days are bad, but there are more bad days than we would like to have to deal with, Right? In chapter one, his sufferings helped us to understand comfort. But in chapter four, uh, 
his sufferings are going to help us understand hope, to cling to our ultimate hope. So let's go, let's go back to the beginning in verse 7. He says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Friends, as a Jesus follower, you have buried treasure in your soul that causes you not to lose heart or to lose hope. You have this treasure inside of you. Um, anybody here, this is second service, any of you ever watched the show Antique Roadshow? Okay, 8 o'clock, there was a lot of people that, you know, uh, that, that watched that show. Uh, I, don't, I don't watch it, but, you know, this show, I've seen it before, but, the, you know, the unexpected find is what keeps people watching that show or, or participating in, in this, you know, somewhat, you see someone picking up an old chair for five bucks and then they discover that it used to belong to Thomas Jefferson, doesn't happen all the time, but you know, now they're a millionaire because they came across, or somebody brings in a vase that they got from their grandmother's will, and they find out that it's not a vase at all. It's a vase from the Ming Dynasty. Okay, I mean, that's, that's my, my story is not the vase story. I'm the one who makes five bucks off a million dollar chair. You know, that's, that's, usually, that's usually me. Now, the question is what, is, what is the treasure and what is the jar of clay? Well, we didn't read the first six verses of this chapter, but Paul makes it clear in the following verses after uh, verse 7. He's, the, friends, the treasure is the gospel. The treasure is the gospel. In Ephesians, Paul called the gospel a mystery. And a mystery is, is not necessarily something that you cannot know. It's just something that you do not know unless someone reveals it to you. And the gospel has been revealed to us. It, it was a mystery. In this passage, he, he calls the gospel a treasure. A treasure. Friends, what is the gospel? The gospel is the message of forgiveness and acceptance, reconciliation based on the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for your sins, uh, based on your repentance and faith, uh, resting on that sacrifice. The gospel, uh, it means good news, and it is good news. Jesus lived the life that you could not live. He died the death that you should have died so that you could have both abundant life in this life and eternal life in the life to come. Friends, this is important to understand. The gospel is not just good news for your eternity, the gospel is good news for your temporary existence in this world the gospel you friends you will not survive your sufferings on this earth without the gospel of jesus christ i'll explain that in a moment second question what is or who is uh the jar that he's talking about and that's you that's the jesus follower that's the person of faith dying to themselves uh, so that they can live for Jesus, emptying themselves of themselves so that Jesus, so that God can fill us with spir uh, the spirit of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the presence and the power of Jesus. The follower of Jesus is the container for Jesus, okay, the message of Jesus. And so you are the clay pot housing a priceless treasure. Why? To make sure that the world sees the treasure and not you. All through the Bible, we have stories of unlikely heroes whose success can only be explained by the presence and the power of God in their lives. Nothing could have happened without God uh, doing this. Now, we have to be careful here. This is not to mean that you're worthless. I mean, you are a clay pot, but you have value. Value enough so that the, that the treasure of God would be housed in you. The treasure requires a container. But make no mistake, the value is in the treasure, not the container. Why? So that no one can boast about the container. So that no one can take pride in the container. 
okay? The treasure requires a container, but it's the treasure to show that everything that happens in our lives demonstrates that the power belongs to God and not to ourselves. Well, that's the very first verse. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Four contrasts. We could examine each one, but they all make the same point, friends. When I am weak, then he is strong. At the lowest point of my life, that's when the surpassing power of God not only sustains me and delivers me, but is most evident to the world around me. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What, the next several verses are going to be hard to understand. He's saying here, and I've highlighted two words here, always and death. Now, the word Paul uses here for death, the Greek word necrosis, is not the word that talks about uh, the event of death, like someone just died, but rather the process of death. It's a continual action. It could be translated, the, not the death of Jesus, but the dying of Jesus, the dying of Jesus. Now, here's the deal about this and about every one of us in this room. Everyone, everyone in this room uh, is not dead, but everyone in this room is dying, okay? So scientists tell us, actually, uh, if you're age 23 or above, uh, you're headed downhill already, Okay, so uh, God bless you. Enjoy the day. You know, thanks for coming. Um, but friends, we all, we all know that. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Our physical bodies have a shelf life of about 70 or 80, maybe 90 years if you stay off chocolate. But I mean, that's not going to help. So why not? Why stay off chocolate? I mean, we, we are dying. We are in the process of decay. And he also uses the word always, always, always carrying in the body, our bodies, the dying of Jesus. What does that mean, friends? This, this, is, this is what it means to follow Jesus, friends. The one who died for us calls us to die for him every day, always, in all days, in all ways. We are dying to ourselves so that the life of Jesus, the treasure of the gospel in this jar of clay may be made known to the world around us. This, friends, this is why the gospel is so critical to your suffering, there is a spiritual reality to our lives that precedes or supersedes rather the physical experience of our lives. There's something far greater going on in your life than the temporary physical discomfort or struggle in your life. We may be afflicted and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. It doesn't matter to the clay pot holding the divine treasure. It's, it's all to do with the divine treasure. We have a hope that no worldly hurt can take away. Let me say that again. We have a hope that no worldly hurt can take away. He emphasizes the thought in the next verse, verse 11, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul is encouraging us. Yes, you are in the process of decay. Yes, our sufferings are every day. Yes, we die to ourselves every day, but don't tap out. Don't give up. You have a hope. God has a plan for you. Hold on to that hope. God, God is doing something far greater than you can imagine. Allow God to finish his work in you to experience this abundant life in this life and not just the eternal life in the life to come. Friends, this is a natural principle. This is a kingdom principle. Death gives birth to life. 
the seed has to die in order to give birth to the plant. Jesus died in order that you and I might have life. Listen, the sufferings of Jesus was all about you. The sufferings of Jesus was all about you. Why? So that your sufferings would not be all about you. You are dying to yourself. You are dying so that the glory of God could be manifested in your life. Now, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the level or the depth of your suffering in this particular moment. This is probably a better message to be heard when things are going well. (laughs) Suffering's hard. And even as Jesus followers, even as believers, even those who have placed their faith in the death of Jesus, to process suffering from a biblical perspective and to cling to that hope. I I don't know, maybe, maybe this is why Paul talked about this so often in this letter, so that we would have more and more opportunity uh, to get it. I mean, listen, when you make your sufferings all about you, you will crumble under the weight of that suffering, because without Jesus, friends, there is no purpose to your sufferings. You want to you know why life expectancy in this culture is declining? It's not because our culture is suffering more. <laughs> Friends, we've had, we, we have more science and technology to keep ourselves alive than, than any time in the history of mankind. Friends, our, our culture doesn't have more suffering. Our culture has less Jesus. Our culture has less hope. There is no life without Jesus. There is no hope without Jesus. There is no purpose to your suffering without Jesus. Paul goes on, verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. He's talking about the gospel here. I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also, will raise us also with Jesus. In chapter 1, Two weeks ago, Paul uh, received comfort from the God who raised the dead. Okay, so now in chapter 4, Paul is receiving hope. He's finding hope in the God who what? Raises the dead. So the death of Jesus not only gives us life, it gives us comfort, it gives us hope. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people because of the gospel, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He's saying here when we live out the gospel in our suffering, when we look at our our suffering through the lens of the gospel, and and I'll say it again, friends, the world has no answers for its suffering. It has no purpose for its sufferings. Think about this. What does the world tell us? We are nothing more than a bag of chemicals as a result of an evolutionary process. And if that is true about us, then why are we even talking about this? Why is suffering even an issue with us? Survival of the fittest. Violence is natural. It's a given. It's it's just something that we just take for granted. Friends, the, the gospel not only gives us an explanation for our suffering, it gives us the solution for our sufferings. It, all suffering is a result of sin, and Jesus bore our sin on the cross to give us life, both in this life and in the life to come, and gives us hope through our suffering, even because of our suffering. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There is an inner you and there is an outer you. There's a physical 
uh, you subject to decay due to the sufferings of this world. And then there is a spiritual you, an inner you, in spite of and because of the sufferings of this world. God is using that to refine you and renew you and repurpose your life, verse 17, for this light momentary affliction. And when you're in that affliction, it feels like anything but light and momentary. But it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal friends the way you live your life is a reflection of what you believe your ultimate future to be what is your hope where is your hope the way you embrace your sufferings in the view of the gospel indicates the strength of your hope what is paul teaching us in this passage. And there is no better person to teach us. <laughs> Friends, this is not some mental, uh, positive mental attitude pep talk from an overpriced motivational speaker. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul who has earned his stripes and therefore has gained the right to teach us how to embrace our sufferings and submit them to the gospel that brings life. So what do we learn? I, let me suggest three things. Number one, suffering is inevitable. We live in a suffering world broken by sin. To live is to suffer. Everything is broken. Everything is in process of decay. Everything is falling apart. Paul says, look no further than your own physical body. Friends, the act of decay is gradual and unavoidable. Friends, there is no amount of Botox that will keep you attractive. There are no amount of supplements to keep you strong and virile. There is no amount of money that will keep you shielded from the fallout of this broken world. And here, here's the, even among believers, friends, here's the problem, particularly with believers. When we don't have a gospel perspective on our suffering, much of our struggle comes not in what is happening to us, but in this false assumption that it shouldn't be happening to us. Now, friends, you've got to think about this. We serve, we follow a suffering Savior. And yet we go through our lives thinking that we deserve an exemption from the one who died on the cross from us. Now, granted, and this is, this is, a, part of, this is a part of the suffering, friends, the, the, the seeming unfairness of difficult circumstances. Do you ever think that suffering is unfair? <laughs> the random nature of tragedy and, and the obvious imbalance of suffering. You know this. You've seen this. As much as you suffer, and friends, I, this morning, I, I am not here to minimize your suffering. I'm not, to, I'm not here to make light of it. I'm not here for you to tell that you need to get over it. I'm not saying any of that. But here's the thing, friends. As much as you suffer, it is not hard to look around your world and find someone who's suffering more. Without reason, without explanation. What, how, and how do you explain that? How do you explain that? I talked about this two weeks ago, and I, I would encourage you to follow, uh, listen to that message online. I, friends, we don't live, followers of Jesus don't live for the reasons. We, we can't live for the reasons. There are never reasons enough, and what reasons we have will never satisfy us. Friends, we live for Jesus. He is our hope. We, li we live for Jesus. We live for the one who suffered for us. Not so that we would not suffer, but that when we suffer, we might suffer like him, that we might suffer with hope. This is the challenge for Jesus followers. We have, 
Friends, Jesus followed. We have to learn how to suffer well. We have to learn how to embrace our sufferings. Not to love them. Nobody loves them. But to see the purpose behind them, to see the hope that's inherent in them. This is the challenge for Jesus' followers. Uh, You are a clay pot possessing a divine treasure. And the world needs to see that treasure. Friends, Jesus' followers who do not suffer well have nothing to offer a suffering world. When you suffer for Jesus, when you suffer with Jesus, when you suffer like Jesus, you become a walking testimony of what happened 2,000 years ago. The suffering that brought, friends, death gave birth to life. And that, that death became the fragrance of Christ to a decaying world. You have a hope that the world knows nothing of but desperately needs. Suffering is inevitable. Here's the second thing. Suffering is temporary. Suffering is temporary. Seven times in 13 chapters, Paul talks about his sufferings. Now, you, one might think, Paul, are you overplaying this? Are you just, is this out of proportion for you? I mean, at some point, you make your point and you move on. So, you know, uh, so says someone who doesn't want to deal with their sufferings or make light of their sufferings. Paul didn't, Paul didn't write this in every letter, but he did in this one. And we've already discussed the reasons why he did this. Uh, the fact is, Paul had a rough go of it. Uh, you look at Paul's life, and it just seemed like he had, he had an inordinate amount and an inordinate number of things go wrong in his life to the point where people would begin to wonder, how can God be with you, Paul, when all of this stuff is happening to you? You know, remember the story of Job. I mean, his best friends came to him and said, dude, God is not on your side. We're sure of it. His own wife said, curse God and die. Let's, let's get this over with. Romans 8, 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. I want to put these two verses on the screen. Just look at them. In Romans 8, I want you to compare these two verses. Paul says in Romans 8 that our suffering cannot compare to the glory that will be revealed in us, our future glory. He's talking about heaven here. The glory God has for us will outweigh any suffering that you will endure in this life that will be greater than any suffering that you go through. This is our hope, friends. When you know that what God has waiting for you far outweighs what you're going through, you can better go through what you're going through. You can endure it. You can get through it. One day your sufferings will be outweighed by the glory. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes further than that. And he says that our sufferings are actually achieving the glory. Uh, Our sufferings are actually producing the glory. Now, what, what does this mean, friends? This is our hope as well. And only the Christian faith talks like this. Only the Christian faith has, a, has an explanation and a solution to our sufferings. Friends, uh, let, me, uh, let me illustrate it this way. This has probably happened to you. I know it's happened to me. You're sitting in a funeral service, uh, not only contemplating the one that you loved that you've just lost, but you're just simply contemplating love. Have you ever done that? I mean, you're thinking about the one that you loved who is now gone, And so you reach over and you grab the hand of the one who's still there that you love, either before the service or after the service or sometime during, you know, you're, you're hugging people that you love and you're saying the words that should be said far more often than you ever say them. And you, and you just, you feel this sense, this overwhelming sense of gratitude and love and affection for the people who are, who are left behind. Friends, loss will do that. There's nothing like loss that will reveal the love of your life. 
and suddenly you're filled with this inexpressible gratitude and joy for love? Well, if you've never experienced that, parents, have you ever lost your kid at the mall? Or Disney World? Or maybe you're at a park and they wander off into this forested area and all of a sudden you realize that they're not there and have you ha ever had the desperation of a lost child? Now, I want you to think about this. Had that child stuck by your side all day, you know, held your hand all the way through the mall or never left your side at Disney World or stayed at the picnic table and never wandered off in the woods, you, you would have gotten to the end of that day. It may, may have been a very good day. You would, have got, you would have laid your head down on the pillow and you would have thanked God for what a wonderful day God gave you. But instead, because of the circumstances of this day, after hours and hours and hours of searching for a child you feared you would never find, that night you lay your head down on the pillow with this overwhelming love for that child that brings you to tears and you realize a love for them that you would never have experienced before. Friends, 1 Corinthians 15 says that death is swallowed up by the resurrection, that the resurrection, death has been swallowed up in victory, not just conquered, not, but it is consumed, that it is swallowed up, digested. What, what does that mean? It means that everything sad, everything sorrowful and difficult in your life is not only going to be compensated for, that's Romans 8, in, compensated for in a way that cannot compare to the glory God has, has ready for you, but that God will actually use all of that suffering. This is 2 Corinthians 4, that God will actually use that suffering to produce a glory that is so infinitely better than it would ever have been had you not gone through that suffering to begin with. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You see, suffering, suffering, do, suffering does not just make you a better person. It makes heaven a better place. Friends, you will not enjoy heaven as much without your suffering. He heaven not only compensates you for your suffering, it uses that suffering to become more and more inexpressible. Here's, here's the third one, friends. Hope would teach us that suffering is purposeful. I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on this. I, I, we do this. I, I've spoken dozens and dozens of times on the purpose of suffering, how it, you know, builds character, how it deepens community, how it strengthens our faith. There's all kinds of things that God uses inside of us uh, to create a deeper faith and character through our sufferings. Paul says it this way in verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. How? Day by day, friends, if you are looking for hope, this is the message, this is the passage. Uh, if you're looking for hope, you don't need to look anywhere else. But, however, you do need to look for it every day. Because this world sucks the hope out of us. Suffering attacks our hope. And so God's mercies are new every morning. Why? Because every day has enough trouble of its own. You're a clay pot, and the hope of the gospel, friends, the hope of the gospel is not just to save you. It is to sustain you. It is to change you into the image of the one who suffered for you. It is to produce within you a weight of glory, both in this life and in the life to come. 
We're going to get ready for communion in just a moment. Ushers, uh, if you want to get ready for that, uh, the instructions for communion. If you're new this morning, I would direct you to the screens. Uh, so if you're a believer in Christ, uh, how we uh, participate in communion this morning. I want to share a verse of scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12 that says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Friends, when Jesus went to the cross, he did, for, he did so for one reason. And it, what was his hope? What was his joy? Friends, it was, it was you. It was you. He took joy in going to the cross. He took hope in going to the cross. And when you realize that you were his joy, then, you, then he will become your joy, even in your suffering. When you realize that he made you his hope, you will make him your hope, not in spite of, but because of your sufferings. The cross reminds us that whatever suffering you endure, it is not worth comparing to the suffering Jesus endured for you. So in these moments where we celebrate the sacrifice of Christ, would you ask the Spirit of Christ to remind you that whatever it is, however hard or difficult or inexplicable it might be, that the sufferings of Jesus has given us a hope that sustains us in this world and prepares us for the world to come. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, to that end, we pray. Every day, Father, would you renew us in our light and momentary troubles that seem anything but light and momentary. Help us to focus on what is unseen, to experience the grace and the power that only you can provide. We celebrate this moment in our service, Father, to remind us that we suffer for the one who suffered for us. To that end, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.